You are about to embark on a journey called The Truth Hurts Program with your host, Steve Z. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. And if you're lucky, you might just learn something. Well, good day and happy new year, January 1st, 2021. This is the Truth Hurts Program, and I'm your host, Steve Z. They may say it's for other reasons, but you and I both know exactly why the IRS has announced plans for increasing their audits of small businesses by about 50% for 2021. They're going to say that it's because of years of persistently low examination rates, but I say it's because they have to make up for the massive amount of money lost in 2020, primarily due to lockdowns related to the Wuhan China novel coronavirus of 2019, which has lasted all through 2020 and now does not appear to be going away in 2021. The IRS, according to Bloomberg, is planning to ramp up audits of small businesses and investors by about 50% in 2021, an agency official said on Tuesday. The result could be a surge in audits of companies ranging from small mom-and-pop retail stores and technology startups to investment funds that have historically faced only very infrequent checks thanks to the time and effort required at the IRS. According to DeLeon Harris, the IRS Deputy Commissioner of Examination for Small Businesses, the IRS is focusing our efforts to increase compliance activity in this area of not only partnerships, but also investor returns related to pass-throughs. We are planning for 50% more than we had in the previous year. Pass-through entities, which include partnerships, LLCs, and sole proprietorships, are incredibly difficult for the IRS to audit because they frequently have complex structures that can involve dozens of interrelated entities. Pass-throughs don't pay taxes themselves, but pass along their profits and tax liabilities to their investors, who then pay taxes on their individual returns. 50% increase in the number of new audits this year could mean the agency has a long way to go to resume higher audit ratios because if it's starting at this lower base, it's going to take quite a lot of effort, manpower, time, and energy to resume those higher audit ratios. The IRS audited only 140 partnership returns of the more than 4 million returns filed in 2018. That's less than 0.00004%, according to the most recent data from the agency. And that's down about a half a percent of partnership returns that were audited in 2010. For S-corporations, another type of pass-through entity, the IRS audited a whopping 397 returns, or 0.01% of all those filed in 2018. The IRS is hiring 50 more specialized auditors to work these cases with the aim of having them in place by February 2021. They can select returns to audit that are up to three years old. And if the IRS finds significant problems in a taxpayer's filings, the auditors can examine returns that are even older than that. 
New audit procedures that Congress approved back in 2015 mean that the IRS can more easily collect underpaid taxes that it finds during an audit. Instead of having to track down each investor, the IRS can now collect money from the partnership itself. Oh joy. And did anyone notice how Antifa and BLM has magically disappeared from the headlines? Oh, don't worry. If Donald Trump continues to challenge the election, and if by some strange occurrence he happens to come out triumphant here before the 5th of January, you'll see riots, Antifa, arson, so-called peaceful protests, demonstrations, and of course the BM, uh, BLM movement will resurge. Just my prediction, folks. And how many of my predictions have come true in the last 12 months? Hmm? Quite a few, if you recall. And if you recall, way, way, way back last year in December of 2020, oh, so long ago, I spoke to you about Mark Zuckerberg and the censorship, the censoring of your free speech in social media. The country of Poland is doing something about it. According to the website Patreon.com, dated way, way, way back last December 26th, you remember in 2020, way back when? An article was written that says Poland will fine social media giants $2.2 million every time they censor free speech. A new law is due to be passed in Poland that would fine big so-called big tech firms a whopping $2.2 million every time they unconstitutionally censor lawful free speech online. While liberal governments in Western nations seek to fine social media giants like Facebook and Twitter for failing to remove so-called hate speech, Poland is taking a refreshingly different approach. Under its provision, social media services will not be allowed to remove content or block accounts if the content on them does not break Polish law. In the event of removal or blockage, the complaint can be sent to the platform which has 24 hours to consider it. Within 48 hours of the decision, the users will be able to file a petition for the court for the return of access. The court will consider complaints within seven days of receipt, and the entire process will be done electronically. Polish Justice Minister Zbigniew Ziobro made it clear that the legal initiative was designed to fight censorship. Ziobro asserted that it wouldn't impact the right of people who have been slandered or defamed to pursue justice. He said often the victims of tendencies for ideological censorship are also representatives of various groups operating in Poland whose content is removed or blocked just because they express views and refer to values that are unacceptable from the point of view of communities with an ever stronger influence on the functioning of social media. We realize this is not a very easy topic. We realize that on the internet, there should be a sphere of guarantees for everyone who feels slandered, a sphere of limitation of various content which may carry with it a negative impact on the sphere of other people's freedom. But we would like to propose such tools that will enable both one side and the other to call for the decision of a body that will be able to adjudicate whether content appearing on such and such a social media account really violates personal rights, 
whether it can be eliminated or whether there is censorship. This, my friends, should be a model for all developed countries that value free speech, especially the United States of America. But instead, we would rather censor content that doesn't agree with our particular point of view if we are a liberal, socialist-leaning social media platform. Hmm. I thought you folks said 2021 was going to be better in the United States. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. My good friend Ronnie. Thank you, ma'am. She sent the following to me. The danger to America is not Joseph Biden, but a citizenry capable of entrusting a man like him with the presidency. It will be far easier to limit and undo the follies of a Biden presidency than to restore the necessary common sense and good judgment to a depraved electorate willing to have such a man for their president. The problem is much deeper and far more serious than Mr. Biden, who is a mere symptom of what ails America. Blaming the prince of the fools should not blind anyone to the vast confederacy of fools that made him their prince. The Republican can survive a Biden who is, after all, merely a fool. It is less likely to survive a multitude of fools such as those who made him their president. Well written. Thank you, Ronnie. I appreciate that, ma'am. She rocks. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. And my good friend Ronnie also sent something to me on social media. It's a little joke, and it's kind of humorous. And you can insert your own name in the end to make it fit your narrative. Once upon a time, a Texan, a Floridian, and a Michigander all died and went to hell. While they were there, they spied a red phone, and they asked what the phone was for. The devil said, well, that's to call back to Earth. So the Texan asks to call Dallas, and he speaks for five minutes on the phone, and when he's finished, the devil informs him that that will cost him one million dollars. So the Texan writes him a check. Next, the Floridian calls Miami and talks for 30 minutes, and when he's finished, the devil tells him that call will be six million dollars. So he writes a check to the devil. Finally, the guy from Michigan gets his turn, and he calls Lansing, Michigan and talks for four hours. When he's finished, the devil informs him that that will cost him five bucks. When the Texan hears this, he goes ballistic and asks the devil why the Michigander gets to talk for four hours so cheaply. The devil smiles and replies, Since Gretchen Whitmer took over Michigan as governor, the state has gone to hell, so it's now a local call. All right, that was pretty good stuff. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Meanwhile, we haven't spoken about the anarchy in Seattle, Washington in quite some time since the news stopped talking about it. However, December 30th, 2020, a young lady named Emily Zanotti wrote an article in the Daily Wire. It says a group of Seattle activists who had occupied a travel lodge since Christmas Eve are now demanding that the city of Seattle pay the bill. They were booted from the hotel on Wednesday after the hotel's owner begged the cops for assistance. The group calling themselves Tacoma Housing Now 
moved a group of 16 homeless people into rooms at the travel lodge on Christmas Eve, and they paid for one night. The homeless people did not then move out after 24 hours, and Tacoma Housing Now declared the situation, quote, an occupation, unquote, demanding that the city further defund the police department and use the money that would ordinarily have been paid to the police department to reimburse the travel lodge as a homeless shelter. Barring that, they said the money should come from the COVID Relief CARES Act money. They said CARES money, FEMA money, defunding the police, so many options for funding. Pay up, City of Tacoma and Pierce County. The group posted their demands on Twitter. They wrote, Housing people in unoccupied hotels does not ruin anyone's business. If you care about protecting empty spaces more than saving human lives, well, that says a lot about your ethics and values. We will not accept one more death on the streets. According to a local news outlet, KOMO, a few dozen activists associated or recruited by THN extended the occupation into the hotel's parking lot, creating what they called an autonomous zone-style continuous protest and dared the police to remove them. The owner of the travel lodge, of course, feels differently about housing people in unoccupied hotels doesn't ruin anyone's business, telling KOMO that the homeless require care that THN, who placed them there, is not providing, and that he cannot force his staff to provide for free. The ongoing outside demonstration as well is driving away potential customers leaving him unable to attract business to his hotel. Would you want to stay in a hotel that was occupied for days and days by homeless people who didn't pay their bill? Hmm. The motel operator, Sean Rantawa, said if the cost of the rooms goes unpaid, it's only a matter of days before he will be forced to shut down and lay off his 10 employees, likely creating more homeless people. Repeated protests in the parking lot have driven away most of the other paying customers. He says, I'm just devastated. Because of the protest, I have nothing else. I was barely getting through the pandemic, and now this. This Christmas, the Grinch came. They're keeping me hostage. No one is out to help me. It's complete lawlessness in the city of Fife, he said. THN says they have little sympathy for Rondoawa because he received a Paycheck Protection Program loan. They say they also brought mental health specialists and other service providers to assist the occupied homeless folks. On Wednesday, THN, fearing a coming eviction, called in anarchist, anti-fascist, autonomous, anti-capitalist, and anti-colonial movements from across the city. They had 50 to 75 people in the parking lot, ready to defend if needed. If THN put up a fight by Wednesday evening, they had been fully evicted. Police Chief Pete Fisher spoke to explain why the cops decided to act Wednesday to remove the radicals. He confirmed he was working with the radicals, but implies that the business owner, who he calls a victim, might have made matters worse when he complained about the situation to the press. Well, complaining to the cops wasn't helping. How do you get attention? How do you get action? 
you call the media. Eventually, when the reinforcements didn't show up, the activists went ahead and left the hotel. Seattle did indeed defund the police department partially, but the money's not going to pay the bill for THN's travel lodge occupation or a pilot program that paid for homeless individuals to stay at other hotels. Those are unlikely to move forward. City councils in other cities surrounding the Seattle area voted to end that program after they experienced a rise in violence in the areas surrounding hotels where homeless people were gathered. You see, folks, even if you give them everything they want, they want to continue tearing down and destroying. They do not want equality. They want superiority. And they want you and I to pay for it. This is the Truth Hurts Program. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Well, according to an article that I read just a few moments ago, Gropey Joe Biden has been told that he is frustrated with the Trump administration over a lack of cooperation. Biden and members of his advisors group are growing frustrated with the lack of transition cooperation from Trump and his administration. I think that's funny. I don't think Biden is frustrated at all with that. He's more likely frustrated with the fact that he doesn't remember where he is or what he's doing from minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day. But according to a report on Microsoft News and Viewer, V-E-U-E-R, somebody told the very confused gropey Joe Biden that he is frustrated over the lack of cooperation. Concerns including compromising the new administration's readiness to begin governing. That's what his aides are telling him. He's trying to figure out if the wheels on the bus really do go wound and wound. The Pentagon is rightly calling bullshit against the Biden administration. And as he sits there scratching his head, pondering just how to use proper inflection the next time he reads a teleprompter. The Pentagon has advised that they have released 5,000 pages of classified information. They've responded to 188 requests for information, and they've conducted over 164 interviews to assist the Biden transition team. In addition, Department of Defense political and career officials have been working with the utmost professionalism to support the transition activities in a compressed time schedule due to the holidays, and they will continue to do so in a transparent and collegial manner that upholds the finest traditions of the Department of Defense. This according to Defense Secretary Acting Chris Miller. You see, the problem is the Biden administration has not been fully confirmed as of this time by the Electoral College. There are still several court challenges being waged, and there are also lots and lots of other issues at hand. And I wouldn't turn over the keys to the kingdom just yet. But that's just me. Speaking of gropey Joe Biden, he is looking into several potential attorney general picks, and none of them are minorities. Oh, if I were the AA 13% hyphenated American minority crowd... 
I'd be pissed. Alabama Senator Democrat Doug Jones, Democrat Appeals Court Judge Merrick Garland, Democrat Governor of New York Andrew Cuomo, and former acting U.S. Attorney General Democrat Sally Yates are all listed as potential Biden Attorney General picks. He said he has no obvious choice on his mind, which is about par for the course for Gropey Joe. The only thing he has on his mind is what's written on the teleprompter and where his wife, Jill Biden, tells him to stand, where to put his hands, and just how much he can actually squint while reading a teleprompter without letting you all know he's reading a teleprompter. Yes, boys and girls, the puppet administration of John Gill, uh, excuse me, Joe Biden. Sorry, I had to make the John Gill reference again. If you have a few moments, look up Star Trek, the original series, John Gill. Um, I think you'll be very interested to see that way back in the 1960s, there was an eerie similarity to what's going on right now with sleepy, creepy, mopey, little girl, gropey, dopey Joe Biden. And this far along in the so-called transition, it is very odd that he has not picked his AG selection as of yet. And of course, the Hunter Biden probe looms over that attorney general decision. We're still waiting. It only took the FBI two days to identify the bomber in Nashville. And yet, they're not even looking into the Hunter Biden laptop and all of the other illegal, unethical, immoral, and questionable dealings of the cocaine-addled Hunter Biden. You know, the son that's doing his dead brother's widow, or at least he was before he knocked up some hooker (laughs) or stripper. Which was it? Hooker or stripper? Irrelevant. His brother died, and he started banging his brother's wife. What a great family. I guess in the Biden household, the family that lays together stays together, right? Oh, well, what can you do? Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. The media is now bashing President Donald Trump for doing exactly what mopey, dopey, gropey Joe Biden would have done had the vaccine not become available until after he takes office. Less than three weeks before the scheduled departure from the White House, President Trump is taking one more victory lap for what he views as his accomplishments during 2020. And I can't help but agree. In a five-minute speech from the White House that posted to Twitter, the president touted his record in a variety of areas, ranging from the Middle East to the economy, which all were fantastic accomplishments, of course, until the Democrats and the lockdowns started to tear down the economy. But much of the address was devoted to the work of Operation Warp Speed and to the fact that the coronavirus vaccine hit the market during the Trump administration, much earlier than was originally predicted, defying the expectations of many and causing the Biden administration to cringe from the reality. Trump said over and over again we were told it would be impossible to deliver a vaccine by the end of the year 
all of the experts said absolutely unthinkable. It can't happen, and we did it. Years from now, they'll be talking about it. They'll be talking about this great, great thing that we did with the vaccines. The world will benefit, we'll benefit, and everybody's calling to thank me. Even fierce critics of Trump administration have given the president credit for Operation Warp Speed's part in getting Americans vaccinated in such an expeditious fashion. However, distribution is somewhat behind schedule in some states and has hit several snags, as you might expect from something so unprecedented. Remember, the media has been saying, unprecedented, never before seen. And yet, Trump's administration and the Operation Warp Speed campaign have done something no one thought possible. Trump, in his remarks, also claimed that we built the wall. Well, he did build at least 365 miles of wall, even though people like nasty Nancy Pelosi and Chuckle Schumer stood in the way every inch of that 365 miles of wall. The $5 billion Trump was asking for way back when, when he wanted to build the wall, was seen as, quote, too much money to spend, unquote. That $5 billion pales in comparison to the amount of money, the hundreds of billions that we have sent to foreign countries and will send to foreign countries now that a $2.3 trillion omnibus spending bill with its tag-along $900 billion so-called COVID relief went along with it. And here's a little math for you. I know you guys love math, especially on the first day of the new year after you drank last night, but here goes. If you took the $900 billion that is being touted as a COVID relief bill and you divided that $900 billion by the 330 million Americans, it would be enough to give each and every American $2,727.27. That's every man, every woman, and every child. Yet... You're only getting 600 and not all of you. Those who make more than 75000 a year will not get the amount of money they're claiming to be given to all Americans. It's just not going to happen, folks. The rest of the money will be used for administrative costs. Yeah, sort of like when you send $10 to one of those charities and you find out later that only $0.08 cents of the money you sent will go to the actual charity's work and the rest of it stays in the administrator's hands so they can buy new company cars and hire bum out-of-work actresses to go on television and beg you to keep sending more and more and more of your hard-earned money. Still, the total amount of wall built during the Trump administration is far greater than the amount of wall that Nancy Pelosi said he would accomplish. And with all of her obstruction, it will fall hundreds of miles short of what the president originally asked for in his first term. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. And recently during the Truth Hurts Program, I have hinted at, practically begged Mr. Trump to start his own network after he leaves the presidency, whether it's this year or in four years. Trump is ending 2020 like he spent much of it insulting Fox News while still posting clips 
from the highly rated network. He wrote on Twitter, Watching at Fox News is almost as bad as watching fake news at CNN. New alternatives are developing. Some observers on Twitter immediately questioned his reference to developing alternatives to the channel that related to reports that he's considering setting up his own digital media outlet. President Trump, as of late, has been marshalling his followers away from Fox News and encouraging them to tune into Newsmax, or One America News Network. Fox News, as you might recall, was in lockstep with the other major media outlets in calling the race for Joe Biden too damned early, which could have affected the outcome of polling in states in the western portion of the United States. Long before those polls ever closed, Fox, CNN, ABC, NBC, MSNBC, CNBC, CBS, and others were already calling the race for Biden, which may have sent some dejected Trump voters home, costing Mr. Trump valuable thousands of votes in the process. In the event that the president does create his own digital media site, it would compete directly with Newsmax and OANN, which significantly are smaller than Fox News. Myself, if I were Donald Trump, I'd buy both of those outlets and combine them since the cable access, the satellite access, is already there. The official Newsmax account capitalized on Trump's tweet by replying with a link to its local listings. But like I said, boys and girls, if I were the president, I would consider buying One American News Network and Newsmax, putting them together into one conservative-based media outlet take his 74 million plus voters and the 160 million supporters of the president along with them. And he can hire me, your host of the Truth Hurts program. I don't mind doing an overnight show to begin with till everyone realizes how dashingly handsome I'm not and that I have a face for radio. But nonetheless, I've seen some of the political talking heads on other networks, and I think I'm damned better looking than some of those. This is the Truth Hurts program. I am your delusional host, Steve Z. <laughs> Handsome, to myself at least. We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts program. And finally, on your January 1st edition of the Truth Hurts program, President Donald Trump and his lovely wife, the First Lady, the very classy First Lady, Ivanka Trump, skipped the Mar-a-Lago Gala for New Year's Eve, the big party that he had earlier planned to attend. He departed instead on Christmas Eve for Washington, D.C., after an unexpected change in plans that meant he will miss the annual red carpet New Year's Eve party that he has hosted at Mar-a-Lago for several years. Guests were told he would be in attendance, according to news reports. However, other members of the Trump family will still attend. Don Jr. has been posting photos on Instagram of fishing trips with his children in the intracoastal waterways of Florida. The president was to leave for Washington early this morning, Friday, New Year's Day. Why he decided to return earlier was not immediately known. 
He didn't issue any tweets in the final hours at Mar-a-Lago on New Year's Eve morning. Your president boarded Air Force One, noticeably absent during the president's visit, at Palm Beach International Airport around 11.15 a.m. on New Year's Eve. Melania, who hosted the New Year's Eve party without the president during the 2018 government shutdown, also returned to the White House with the president. According to posts on their social media accounts, other family members were in town during his nine-day stay for Christmas, which initially was to have lasted until Sunday. Donald Trump Jr., the president's oldest son, posted fishing photos with his brother-in-law, Jared Kushner, online. One of many traditions at Mar-a-Lago on the island is usually the big New Year's Eve bash, followed by his big old Super Bowl party at his golf club, where he has vied with other swanky big-ticket New Year's Eve festivities. A senior White House reporter for Bloomberg named Jennifer Jacobs posted a tweet about Trump's early departure late Wednesday night. It said, quote, Trump and First Lady leaving Mar-a-Lago a day early, heading back to White House tomorrow at 11 a.m., missing the New Year's Eve party that hundreds bought tickets for. Speculation surrounding his early departure from Florida back to Washington, D.C. is geared towards his frustration with the Congress not standing behind his push for $2,000 stimulus checks as opposed to $600, position long advocated by Democrats, but on which Trump only began to speak out after the legislation for $600 had been approved by Congress. Perhaps the president is trying to make sure that his final days in office do not leave him Grinch-like. Or should all those challenges come home to roost, as was reported in another publication? He wants to look like the hero that gave you $2,000. Either way, no Trump for New Year's Eve last night at Mar-a-Lago. And on the first day of 2021, the subject of distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine has sparked a long overdue conversation in our nation, and worldwide for that matter. It's a discussion that reflects the character of our nation, yet no one seems willing to engage in that conversation. Case in point, Governor Anthony Cuomo of New York sparked outrage in some areas of his state last week when he prioritized recovering drug addicts in residential rehab centers to receive COVID-19 vaccinations ahead of the elderly, in front of teachers, and in advance of essential workers. In explaining his decision, Cuomo said, these are congregate facilities. Congregate facilities are problematic. That's where you end up with a lot of people in concentration. Well, he should know. He sent tens of thousands of elderly COVID-19 patients to their deaths in the state of New York by putting COVID-positive patients in with non-COVID-positive elderly care center patients and their staffs. Remember? Oh, that's right. They don't want you to remember that. They want to sweep that under the rug. After all, he's the great Cuomo. 
In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis was also under attack as he decided to prioritize people 65 and older to receive the vaccine ahead of some younger, quote, essential workers, unquote. That would mean folks 65 and older in and not in retirement homes and shelters and care facilities would receive the vaccine ahead of who has been deemed essential workers. Which raises, of course, the question, who is essential and who is not? DeSantis's decision jumped 5 million older Floridians in front of the vaccine line. Now listen, folks, I don't know if it's just me, but cutting the line has never been invoked this loudly or often outside of an elementary school recess queue. The debate over who gets the shots first spans our entire country. In fact, the case has been made that for the continuation of government, federal, state, and local officials and their staffs should get the vaccine immediately, regardless of their age. Others make the case for cancer patients, delivery drivers, grocery store workers, state and federal judges, prison inmates, pharmacists, the homeless, and people awaiting surgeries. Everyone has their own opinion about who should get vaccinated first. And all of this questioning leads to the overarching question that no one is asking. What is the value of a life? Could be followed by a second question. Is one life more valuable than another? Well, of course, to each individual, their own life should be more valuable than the life of some stranger, right? I mean, that's human nature. We should embrace and become fully engaged in these questions as a race, as a human race. The question should be asked regarding the aged, the infirmed, those near the end of life, those yet to be born, those at the beginning of their life. Should include those living on the street, those living in halfway houses or broken homes or not broken homes. The question about the value of life transcends who should get a vaccine first. How society answers that question and the way it treats its poor, its aged, its yet to be born, its sickly, its most vulnerable, its homeless, its addicted, and so, so many others, speaks volume about the character of a nation. It's a conversation worth having and a character worth discovering, worth defining, and worth developing. So what is the value of a life? I can promise you, my friends, the answer will not be found by determining who should get a vaccine first. The answer of what is the value of a life will be found in the depths of your heart, displayed in the way you compassionately treat one another in daily living, the way you make decisions on how to care for the dying, and, of course, in how we treat those in the womb yet to be born. What is the value of a life? This is the Truth Hurts Program. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. And finally, on this New Year's Day edition, January 1st, 2021 of the Truth Hurts Program, what could be more exciting than to discuss New Year's resolutions? Another year came to an end, and another has just begun. So now that the New Year is here, what resolutions have you made? Making New Year's resolutions 
That's a time-honored tradition all around the world. Of course, we all hope for a better future, especially in the year after such a crappy 2020. According to research on the topic, 60% of us admit that we do indeed make New Year's resolutions, but only about 8% of us are a success in achieving those goals, those ambitions, those desires, those hopes, those dreams. Regardless of whether we achieve previous resolutions or not, most of us will go ahead today and make a new set of resolutions, once again hoping for the best. Some interesting facts about New Year's resolutions. Saving money is one of the top five resolutions and also the top five for the most commonly failed. More than half of the respondents say they will fail in their resolution before the end of the month of January. Women are more likely to make health-focused resolutions, while men always pledge to try and find a new job and lay off the booze. So what are we all wishing? Here are the top 10 New Year's resolutions according to a survey of 2021 people for the 2021 year. Number one on the list, diet or eat healthier. Number two, exercise more. Number three, lose weight. Number four, save more, spend less. Number five, acquire or learn a new skill or hobby. Number six, quit smoking. Number seven said they will read more. Number eight said they will find another job. Number nine said they will drink less alcohol. And number 10, people said they will spend more time with family and friends. My New Year's resolution is to continue operating the Truth Hurts podcast for you, my loyal listeners. Now go eat some black-eyed peas and cabbage and ham and a little cornbread today. Sounds like soul food, but according to Southern tradition, it could be the key meal for a prosperous 2021. That's it for this New Year's Day edition of the Truth Hurts program. We shall see you next time. Make it a great day. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. Copyright 2020, Steve Knight Productions, all rights reserved. This program is protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. We'll see you next time.